No Junk Mail presents The 55 Dispute, read to you by James Von Felt. Been quiet in town this week. Weather's been on and off lately. Threat of snow, some rain, a lot of fog in the mornings. Just got the new seed catalog, too. Looks really good. Tells me spring is coming soon. Before I forget, Jeannie has her artwork showing in a museum in Oklahoma City. We're all proud of that. Went to Walmart yesterday. It's a trip to go to the big city, but worth the effort. Jeffrey Allen, Hank, and his wife Evelyn and I took off in the old Ford to do some shopping in Ottumwa. We split the cost of gas. Takes about four gallons to get there and back. Don't take me wrong, we're all grateful to have the grocery store in Bloomfield eight miles away. But after all, produce looks like it was a month old when they got it. On the way, Hank brought up the old 55 school issue again. I swear, I don't think it will ever die out. Seems like some people just have a burr under their saddle on that topic. Hank graduated from our town school, the one-room school, in 1951, and was dead set against closing all the little town schools. He started to vent, but Evelyn quieted him down. There are some people in town that still won't speak to each other when it comes to this issue. It's a small community. I mentioned the 55 school issue once before, but I had to check a few facts. Okay, here's the story as I got it. Right from the horse's mouth, so to speak. Started when lawyer Ed Frick ran for County Board of Education back in 52. He lost a run for county attorney the year before and was still sore about that. Well, it seems like he had a lot of contenders for the board seat. So he thought up a great theme to set himself apart. If elected, Frick said, he was going to consolidate all the schools in our county to make the county seat school the largest and the best. Now you can imagine how that went over. It riled up everybody. He was proposing to take their hometown schools away. Keith over at the livestock barn pointed out there was serious rivalry between the small towns then. As you know, Bloomfield is the county seat. It has the famous county courthouse, two railroad lines in those days, stores all around the square, and three lawyers. The county people are mostly farm people. Their towns had a gas station, small general store, barber shop, and their school. There was a feeling that if you lived in Bloomfield, you were a bit uppity. To add to the growing argument, it also turned out that Bloomfield had the worst basketball team in the county that year. So there, one unnamed source puts it. But Bloomfield was the largest town in the county. They had 20% of the county votes. That meant they had a distinct advantage in electing their candidates. That's power politics. The rail lines in Bloomfield were the economic lifeline of the community. They were important to the whole county. Eggs, milk, cattle, grain, everything was shipped to the big cities from there. 
And if you wanted to travel, you could go to Minneapolis, Chicago, Denver, or Kansas City, easy enough on a train. So, the school consolidation idea was born. And sure enough, the electioneering blew everything out of sight. Articles appeared in the local paper for and against the idea. Everybody had an opinion. Nettie over at the paper said letters to the editor came in bushel baskets full. Other small-town newspapers picked up the story and added their comments and opinions. The state officials in Des Moines became aware of what was going on and made public comments. They were read by everybody. Well, when the ballots were counted, it seems like Ed Frick lost to Emma Gates, who was against the idea. But that didn't end the issue. As it turned out, the County Board of Education didn't have authority to consolidate anything. But that didn't seem to bother Lawyer Frick, who discovered that the fuss he created brought him new clients. He hired Sue Lipton as legal assistant, kept on spouting the idea. According to Clara Moss across the road, Frick became more outrageous after the election. He claimed the county schools were below educational standards and not doing their jobs. He was calling our kids stupid, she said. Those were fighting words, and there were fights. Lacey over at the bank told me her dad said Ed Frick and Ollie Olson had it out on the lawn in front of the courthouse. I went to the newspaper office to see if this was true. Nettie found a story printed about that time, and I'll quote it. Confrontations on the front steps of the courthouse occurred between Lawyer Frick and Ollie Olson. Harsh, loud words were spoken. Fisticuffs were reported. End quote. Amos Miller told me how the state got involved. He said Jack Latham, the lieutenant governor at that time, was Ed Frick's fraternity brother in college. Latham was the one that got the ball rolling at the state level, he said. When I asked Cousin Cliff at his insurance office why the state wanted to get involved, he said the state had been planning to get rid of the one-room schools for a long time, but it was a political hot potato. In those days, he said, the small towns did it all, built the buildings, hired the teachers, did everything. All the state did was send a supervisor to check up occasionally. Cliff said a state committee was formed in Des Moines to study the idea, and Ed Frick was picked for chairman. Also, the county board of supervisors was discovered to have the authority to put the proposal on the ballot. Paul started pressuring the county board to put the idea to a vote. Cousin Clifford clammed up from that point on. I tried to get more out of him, but he wouldn't budge. Finally, he said, go talk to Cousin Billy. He was good friends with Ken Klein, Klein's county supervisor. I knew Billy and Jeannie liked the fish fry on Friday nights. About a week later, I just happened to run into them at the diner south of town. Took some prying, but he gave me more details. Went like this. The state promised everything. Money for the new buildings, teachers, new courses, even busing all the students, if 
the county would put the issue on the ballot. But it was still a political stalemate. Nobody was giving in. Then the state pulled a Swifty. They commissioned a team of engineers to evaluate the safety of every school building in our county. You know how that is, he said. Every town kind of built to its own standards, and you had every conceivable building you can imagine. The state declared them all extreme fire hazards. The schools in the county were closed, even the school in Bloomfield. At the same time, articles were published in Des Moines to the effect that the state would fund the new modern school movement. Our county would be the leader in the state. Teachers' pay would be raised. Chemistry labs and modern classrooms would be built. The kids would be the smartest ever. That was the promise. They bought off on the promise of a free lunch, Billy said. I thought this was getting to be a great story. Really a great story. However, I was totally flabbergasted to find that when I went over the details with Jeremy at the gas and grill, he didn't agree at all. His story was a lot different. But the end results were the same. Jeremy said the election came and the new centralized school idea was barely approved. But it was approved. So that's the story about the 55 school issue at least as to how I tell it. And if you think that's quite a story, do you know why the Mennonites don't send their kids to public school? Yes, siree, that one ended up in a Supreme Court ruling. The rumor is it happened right over in the next county. Tell you about that one later. Here you'll be home for summer vacation soon. Come visit. We can walk down to the old school building here in town, check out the old timbers propped against the wall as if to hold it up. It was a brand new brick addition at the time. Here tell the timbers were put up as a protest by town folk. Bet Hank was in on it. Well, that's it for now, from where the corn grows tall and pigs fly. Take care. All my love, Grandpa Jim.